0: Hello, spooky people. Welcome back to another episode of That Spooky Life. I am your host, Miranda, and I am glad that you have decided to join us this week on our weekly slide to the in between and discussions, investigations, comparing notes and chronicles of the paranormal and how it impacts everyday people like you and me. This week, we have a bananas listener story and. In honor of Thirteen last week, if you haven't made it to that episode yet, if you're listening in reverse order, just brace yourself. Thirteen submitted a story from a famous haunting site, the Queen Mary, out out in California. And today I thought I would talk about my experiences with another semi-famous haunting site. I actually have honestly very little idea of how widely known this site is just because it's so close to home for me, but I know that it's been on at least one TV show, if not more, and it is my experiences with Sloss Furnace in Birmingham, Alabama. So we're gonna dive right in, and as I mentioned, my story today with Sloss Furnace comes from not a paranormal investigation or visit, not even one of the Halloween like haunting tours that they do. They I know they have a haunted house there for which I will never be going to because it is one of the ones which you have to sign a waiver for cuz they can touch you and that I don't do that. I can't. I'm very very susceptible to like the anxiety and suspense of haunted houses and I tend to fight over flight and knowing that about myself tells me That I should not go to haunted houses where I might accidentally punch an actor. Because as somebody who loves the theater and completely respects what the actors in haunted houses do, I don't want to do that. I've heard horror stories. I've had friends that worked at haunted houses, and I don't want to do that to them. So I'm just never going to put myself in that situation out of respect for both myself and the actors. But it's furnace has quite a sordid history. And I'm going to read you a little bit from the actual Sloss Furnace website under their history section. And then I'm going to tell you about some of the urban legends and things that have come from it, specifically the big one. So if you're not familiar with Sloss Furnace, this will probably be one of the largely popular urban legends and like ghost stories that you will find if you research it. So in the years following the Civil War, railroad men and land developers and speculators moved from into the Jones Valley to take advantage of the area's rich mineral resources. All the ingredients needed to make iron lay within a 30-mile radius. Seams of iron ore stretched for 25 miles through Red Mountain, the southeastern boundary of Jones Valley. To the north and west were abundant deposits of coal, while limestone, dolomite, and clay underlay the valley itself. In 1871, Southern entrepreneurs founded a new city called Birmingham and began the systematic exploitation of its minerals. One of these men was Colonel James Withers Sloss, a North Alabama merchant and railroad man. Colonel Sloss played an important role in the founding of the city by convincing the L&N Railroad to capitalize completion of the South and North Rail Line through Jones Valley, the site of the new town. In 1880, having helped... Form the Pratt Coke and Coal Company, which mined and sold Birmingham's first high grade coking coal. He found the Sloss Furnace Company and two years later blew in the second blast furnace in Birmingham. Construction of Sloss's new furnace, City Furnaces, began in June 1881 when ground was broken on a 50 acre site that had been donated to the Elton Land Company, Harry Hargreaves, a European-born engineer, was in charge of the construction. Hargreaves had been a pupil of Thomas Whitwell, a British inventor who designed the stoves that would supply the hot air blast for the new furnaces. 60 feet high and 18 feet in diameter, Sloss's new Whitwell stoves were the first of their type ever built in Birmingham and were comparable to similar equipment used in the North. Local observers were proud that much of the machinery used by Sloss's new furnaces would be of Southern manufacture. It included two blowing engines and 10 boilers, 30 feet long, and 46 inches in diameter. In April 1882, the furnaces went into blast. After its first year of operation, the furnace had sold 24,000 tons of iron. At the 1883 Louisville Exposition, The company won a bronze medal for Best Pig Iron. So that is the history from the actual site, slossfurnaces.com forward slash history. If you want to check that out, there's a lot more information here as well. And it's got some really cool old pictures, and I super recommend checking it out. So from the frightfurnace.com forward slash hauntings forward slash haunted dash history dash of dash sloss. Dash furnace. So, the freight furnace, being the aforely mentioned haunted house that they do there, the urban legend of Sloss Furnace. In the beginning, from 1882 to 1971, Birmingham's Sloss Furnace transformed coal and ore from surrounding acres into the hard steel that would pave the way for the Industrial Revolution. From skyscrapers in New York's glittering skyline to automobiles built in Detroit, America came to rely on Birmingham and Sloss Furnaces for providing materials needed to produce thousands of products. Birmingham grew to a metropolis almost overnight, earning the nickname of the Magic City. But, as with all progress, a price was paid. in the currency of blood. I appreciate whoever wrote this. The Rise of Slag In the early 1900s, James Slag Wormwood was a foreman of the Graveyard Shift, the period between sunset and sunrise where a skeleton crew of nearly 150 workers toiled to keep the furnace fed. During the stifling summer months, temperatures throughout the plant would reach more than 120 degrees. Lack of sleep, the heat, and low visibility made working the furnace literally a living hell, and only the poorest of workers desperate for employment would work it. These workers, most recently arrived immigrants, were forced to live in cramped housing located on the furnace site and could be forced at any moment to return to work. To impress his supervisors, Wormwood would make his workers take dangerous risks, forcing them to speed up production. During his reign, 47 workers lost their lives, 10 times more than any other shift in the history of the furnace. Countless others lost their ability to work due to accidents, mishaps, and even a recorded explosion in the small blowing engine house in 1888 that left six workers burned blind. There were no breaks. There were no holidays. There was only the furnace and its constant hunger for more and more coal. The Fall of Slag In October of 1906, James Slag Wormwood lost his footing at the top of the highest blast furnace, known as Big Alice and plummeted into a pool of melted iron ore. His body was incinerated. It was reported that Slag must have become dizzy from the methane gas created by the furnace and lost his balance, but Slag had never set foot on top of the furnace during his years of employment. Many thought that the workers had finally had enough of wormwood slave driving and fed him into the furnace. But no workers were ever brought to trial. Sloss industry soon discontinued the graveyard shift, citing numerous ports of accidents and strange incidents that decreased the steel production. Now, if you want to keep reading this, uh, there's, let's see. the haunting begins, the investigation continues. There's a couple of different further things on the site that I that I mentioned, and I will put this in the episode description in case you guys are interested. I'm not going to read into all of that, but I did not know literally any of this, the history, slag, any of this, going into the first time that I went to Sloss Furnace. Now, the first time I went there is the only time that I have ever been there. And if I ever go back, I'm not exactly going to look forward to it. As a psychic and a sensitive, we got there very early because there is an area that has been converted into a concert hall. So one of the ways that they continue to make money for the furnace is they have concerts there occasionally, or at least they did at the time. This was 2007, maybe 2008. I think it was late 2007. So I get there early, 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 because we wanted to be up front. We had general admission, and I knew that we were going to be doing some volunteer work prior to the gates opening, and I did not know what time that was going to be. My best friend and I were some of the first. We were like within the first like six people that were there. I brought a book to read. We had a blanket we were going to sit on. And then whenever we were called on to do our volunteer work, we were going to do that and then go see a show and have a good time. So it was early, early morning and it was end of summer. And we knew it was going to be hot. So we had prepared for this. We had brought food, we had water, et cetera. And we were literally just sitting on the sidewalk. And I think it's like, we were under some sort of bridge or overpass, like there was a covering, but it wasn't like an awning or anything that I remember. It was, I would have to see it again to exactly remember, but we were under something that was shaded next to a chain link fence that led into the area where they were going, where the stage was and everything. So about, I don't know, halfway through the morning, it was maybe nine thirty, ten o'clock, I I'd, I'd assumed that what I was seeing was like the the crew for the concerts or like staff for for the building. I'd seen people like walking around in the area that we could barely see beyond the chain link fence. And about 10 o'clock, somebody from Sloss Furnace comes out. And was like, hey, you know, you guys need anything? How you doing? Let's stay on the sidewalk, all this stuff. It was it was a venue employee. And we were like, yeah, blah, blah. blah. She's like, oh, I just got here. Um, I hope you guys have eaten. Please remember to eat. Please remember to drink water. i are like, oh, okay. Well, what time did the first shift get here? And she looked at me like I would lost my mind. She's like, I am. I am first shift. This is as early as we get here today. I was like, oh, oh. Well, then you guys might wanna might wanna check because I I saw people walking around back there earlier. So if like you guys are the first shift, I don't know if it was your managers or something, but there may be somebody creeping. Like, it's not exactly hard to jump a chain link fence, but you guys may want to check and make sure that there's nobody back there. And she just smiled at me, looked back over her shoulder, and she was like, all right, I'll let them know. It's probably fine. Again, at this point, I still had no idea that this place was super haunted. So the day goes by with mostly no issues, because obviously we're outside, and Somebody else had gone to, like, walk around and do, uh because, I mean, I believe they were open for, like, tours and stuff like that. I believe there's, like, a museum area. And they came back, and they were like, man, that was super weird. This place is creepy, da-da-da, all this stuff. I was like, well, what are you talking about? Like, obviously, it's an old furnace. Like, it's going to be creepy. And then I hear some of the stories for the first time from these girls who had just gone on a tour. And we hear about slag. And I just sat there and listened. I was like, "Oh, that's you know, that's a nice urban legend." And they had talked about how they apparently do a haunted house there. And I was like, "Okay, cool. Obviously, this is sort of like sensationalist stuff for the tour." But I had friends that lived in Birmingham and had been there for a very long time. And so I, uh, I waited, and then making sure I had enough charge on my phone that would still last the day, I called one of my buddies, and I was like, "Hey." So, I just heard some interesting, like, urban legend stuff, and I'm in line for a concert at Sloss Furnace. And my friend goes, oh, will you have fun with that. I was like, no, 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 that's why I'm calling you. What the fuck is that supposed to mean? What do you mean, have fun with that? I was calling to see, like, how these urban legends, and they were like, mm, the urban legend is that he's he still haunts it. But, like, we all know that he was thrown in. And I was like, what? And that's all they said. They didn't explain. They just assumed that I had heard the story. And I was like, excuse me? And like, yeah, no, it's 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 real bad up in there. So uh, let me know how that goes. I didn't know they did concerts there. And I turn around and I look at this furnace and I'm like, God damn it. And I realized also in that moment that that's why the employee gave like that smirk over her shoulder and was like, I'm pretty sure it'll be fine. She fucking knew. She knew that there was nobody there, and I was just seeing either residual stuff or ghosts or slag or something. So I was like, okay, it's fine. It's going to be a concert. This is going to be some elevated positivity. We're going to have a good old time. Ain't no ghosts coming to bother me in a crowd of people. And even if they do, I got a crowd of people. Like, there's plenty of witnesses here. So late afternoon, about two hours before the doors are opening. I get called to do the volunteer work, and I actually go inside the gate and closer to the furnace for the first time. So I'm handing everything out, doing all the the volunteer stuff, and we're talking to some of the band members uh, of one of the opening bands and one of the headliner, the guitarist for the headliner, and he'd been going around taking pictures. And he was showing us some of the pictures that we'd taken. He's like, "Yeah, this place is really creepy. I like I don't believe in you know like paranormal stuff a lot, but like I don't know, and he zooms in on this picture, and there is honestly an odd shadow in a doorway. It was a shadowed doorway, but like there was a darker sort of outline of a person. He's like, "I don't know, I feel like this is kind of like eyes playing tricks on things, so you know take it as you will, but it's um." It's got a vibe in here. And we've heard voices probably echoed from other parts in the furnace. But, like, also they're saying stuff that we're not sure why people would be saying that. It's just, it's a it's a vibe, and I want to just take some pictures of it. And me and my buddy who were doing this volunteer work were, like, just, like, nodding slowly. Like, oh. Okay. So there's some real, real shit here. Okay, cool. And uh, the hall, the concert hall was at like a slope. It was real kind of weird. It looked like the stage was probably an old um, docking bay or something like that. And you'd back up like backup trucks and things like that. It was a real interesting setup. And so as we're standing there talking to the other to the other band, we're all just standing there. They're talking about ordering food. They offered to order some food for us. We're like, no, we're good. We've, you know, we appreciate it, but like, we're not going to be able to stay to eat it, et cetera. And then we, everybody hears somebody go, hey, like in a loud, gravelly, like echoic voice. And the five people, me, my buddy, and the three guys who were in the band sitting there all look towards the stage because, I mean, it wasn't creepy. We thought somebody was trying to get our attention and we look over and there's no one there. And one of the guys from the band was like, yeah, nothing. Somebody walks towards the stage a little bit like, hey, is somebody trying to get our attention? Like, was that was that aimed at us? Nothing. And so we all sort of like pause, look at each other and are like, OK, well, that's fucking weird. Um, Whatever. Um, uh, Moving on. Nothing else happened until the show started. Show starts. Great show. About two songs into the headliner, I noticed that there's somebody standing up in the rafters, like looming over and watching. And I'm figuring, you know, it's probably a lighting rig guy, like one of the crew, stuff like that. But then I noticed that like, it, the light doesn't affect them. Like when I first noticed them, it didn't seem weird that they were completely in shadow. And I was just like, keeping in mind, this is my favorite band. And this was so distracting. I didn't pay attention to the show for a second. And I was looking up and I was like, the light is not affecting this. Oh, no. Like I had that moment of, oh, God, realization. So I elbow my friend and I point up and she looks and she fucking like shook her head and double taked, And then it walked away through a wall. Like it could have gone down the steps on the catwalk that was up there. But no, it instead decided. To walk through a wall. And I shit you not. I have never been in the... Most of my like super vivid experiences have only been around like one or two people. Or by myself. Or something of that nature. Never in a crowd of like a couple thousand people at a rock show. And the night just was a weird vibe. To the point that even the lead singer of the band was like, This place is bananas spooky as it got darker because of course it was at night it just got weirder and after the show we hung out with some friends that were there we had a good time and we're literally sitting on the grass outside the furnace outside the gates the anything to do with tours or anything like that's closed they're literally just cleaning up inside and i remember there were about five or six of us standing around just looking back at this furnace and going I am changed in some way. Like, this has made an impact. This place is weird. It feels spooky and, like, bad, honestly. Like, there were some real bad, very negative vibes that just brought this building into such a fucking vivid recall in my mind, and I will never forget it. Moral of the story is, if you're ever about Birmingham, Alabama, Definitely recommend taking the time to go see if they are open for a tour of Sloss Furnace because it is one of the most spooky, creepy, terrifying places I have ever willingly stepped into in my life. That is my spooky story for the week. Have you ever wondered what more there might be to the day you were born? what information might be gleaned from observing the dance of the stars or the discipline of divination? Sure, not everyone believes in astrology or divination, and there are as many or more charlatans out there as legitimate, educated practitioners. But if you've ever been curious about a legitimate practitioner, Six Silver Seals is creating astrology forecasts, tarot and rune readings, and more on Patreon created and run by Adam, his about says it all. Six Silver Seals is his means of bringing the light of truth to as many people as he can. He offers numerous different styles of readings and divinations, including tarot, astrology, and the runes of the Elder Futhark, as his torch to help guide those who seek a little extra help finding their way. Personally, I met Adam on Discord, and I have been uh, on the receiving end of his readings and i can personally attest to his knowledge and experience with the subtle reality and divination and would recommend six silver seals to anyone interested in shedding maybe that extra little light on their journey find adam and six double s at www.patreon.com forward slash six silver seals spelled S I X S I L V E R S E A L S. And don't forget to tell him that you were sent from the spooky side. Adventures in Time and Space. In 2013, It all began. Well, it got serialized in 2017. How they got to space, you'll just have to listen to find out. Bastards of the Universe is an entertainment and nostalgia podcast with a hint of space opera and a happy helping of good old-fashioned comedy cheese. Join the crew's many misadventures like malfunctioning teleporters and a number of soiled pants as they attempt to fulfill all of your nostalgia, review, and space-faring needs. Bastards of the Universe is available on Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple Casts. Pick your favorite platform and check it out. If you like what you hear, tell them you were sent from the spooky side. That should freak them out. Our listener story today comes from a dear friend of mine and... Spooky friend of the show, Z, she has a couple of stories that uh, will be very at home here on our spooky little podcast, and it took us a minute to figure out when she was trying to figure out which one to share, which one we were going to do first, but I can promise you that there is more in the future that get progressively spookier as we go. However, this one is a very emotionally powerful story, in my opinion, And I'm just going to get right to it. So our listener story today is from Z, and Z writes, So I used to work at this pizza place, and I started there in August of 2012. I was a delivery driver. I was in school and doing pretty well. Got used to being in the new job, got in with everyone, and we gelled, and had just kind of settled into the routine and social dynamic. When I had this delivery one night, We were busy like pizza places do, and I was getting ready to take the order out, and it was me, one other delivery driver, and we were working that night under one of the non-standard managers. It was fine, but it was a bit of an odd night, not that big of a deal. So I thought at the time. This delivery was an easy one. About 10 minutes from the store shouldn't be hard. Fairly quick there and back. But oddly, on the way there, I get this impression of urgency. Suddenly, I knew that I needed to do this and get back. Like, I have to get there right now or else. What or else was, no clue. But I wasn't thinking about that. All I was thinking about was I had to deliver this pizza right meow, right meow, which she says in real life all the time. In an effort to save time, I randomly decided to take a side road. It was less traveled, no one frequented it much, and there was less traffic, so it would be faster for me. I turned onto the road and no one was there. Cool. I didn't speed, but the speed limit was 55, so a good pace and the sense of urgency was still there, but feeling better until suddenly I'm pulling up behind this guy. He's going like 35 in a 55. Again, I was doing just the speed limit, but this dude was going so slow. Personally, I am someone who doesn't like to pass. It makes me nervous, even when I have enough time, and I just don't do it very often. But when that weird urgency came back in full force, I just, I had to get there. I had to deliver this pizza. I was worried that I was going to be in trouble, or like, I needed to be back quickly. I still don't know what. So, I look. There's no one around. It's dark. 8.30 at night in the fall, so dark, dark, and would have seen headlights. There's no one around. We were the only two I saw, and there was like half a mile until the next light. I had plenty of time to get around this guy. I thought to myself, I can do this. He's going 20 under. I can't wait. I have to go now. So I go to pass. As I start to pass, he starts speeding up. I'm like, okay, he's just being an asshole, but I have to keep going. So I have to go faster. The light's coming. I'm committed now. I have to complete the pass. Then I notice that out of nowhere, there's suddenly a car coming. Now I have to get in front of him. There's no options. We're side by side. I'm a little ahead, but instead of putting on his brakes or slowing, we both saw the car coming. He stays the course and speeds up even more after I manage to get a little in front of him. So the guy clips my bumper and I spin out. Full 360, one and a half spins, sideways off to the side of the road where there was a giant round telephone pole. And I hit the pole. It hit right on the panel, that strip of metal thing between the windshield and the driver's side door. The back of my head whips back and breaks the driver's side window. I didn't black out. I saw the whole thing. And while I was disoriented, I was awake. I saw things in the spin. The other two cars, the pole, and people standing near the pole. But before I could work some of this out in my head, this asshole that was speeding up and clipped me as I'm sitting there bleeding out the back of my head comes out of his car just screaming. Turns out, the guy's an off-duty cop, screaming at me like I was the one who had exclusively done something wrong. Luckily, the oncoming car had also pulled off and happened to be an off-duty EMT. He kept the screaming dude off of me as, randomly, by pure luck, an ambulance happened to be driving down this side road that no one used. Right as the off-duty EMT puts pressure with a thing on the back of my head and tells me to hold it, saying that he was going to call an ambulance, there was just one that appeared. He tells me to keep pressure on it because I'm bleeding and goes to talk to the EMTs. I remember thinking to myself, I felt fine, but he said I was bleeding? Hilariously, the ambulance is there, and me being my weird-ass self and adrenaline not letting me realize how hurt I actually was, I got excited that I got to ride in an ambulance. They get me to the hospital and give me all the painkillers. I had so much and could feel everything. The guy sewing my head up was like, can you feel that? I could and said yeah, though I shouldn't have at all been able to. But I was cognizant the whole time. I made conversation the whole time. The whole time they were stitching me up, I asked about a strange Italian tattoo that he had. All the while, this guy's mind was blown that I could still feel things and hold a conversation under all the medication I'd been given. The pizza place was notified, and they called my mom as my emergency contact. She came up there and called my dad. The whole family ended up at the hospital. The next day, my dad went to look for my glasses that had flown off when I'd hit the pole and the window, because I kept saying I needed my glasses. He was a landscaper and thought to offer repair and cleanup to the owner of the lawn on which I'd spun out. Walking over to the people who were out there cleaning up, he started talking to them. Looking around, they asked if he'd known the person in the accident, and he said, yeah, it's my daughter. They all got solemn and expressed sympathy, saying, sorry for your loss. Needless to say, my dad was like, what? They seemed surprised I was alive telling him that they'd had this exact same accident 15 miles from here a week ago, and the guy had died instantly. The telephone pole hit like six inches back and killed him instantly. Additionally, my car at the time was a two-door convertible, and the other accident the week before was the exact same car as well. The pole just hit six inches further back. So not just the same accident, the same car. Dad, of course, tells me this when he got back, and the gravity of that was not lost on me. I was saved by something, by six inches, and that sense of urgency. When I was spinning out, I remember seeing the cars, the pole, my late great aunt, my mom's best friend who had passed away four years before, and then what I think was an older family member from my dad's side. Yes, it was really traumatic and I've had cognitive issues since, like memory loss and some that have come back, but I was definitely lucky, and an experience that I feel needed to happen. It was that incident, and remembering who was there in the spin, how I had people watching out for me, that I realized with my job and school, I was not pursuing my spirituality and my path like I should be, because my ancestors saved me. It wasn't my time, and the difference of six inches. A little while later, I was looking for things on my spiritual and witchy path. I found an ad about a convention that led me to where I am today and found the path that I am supposed to walk. And that never would have happened if I hadn't had that car wreck. I listened to my ancestors who saved me and saw the eye-opening of the universe telling me, hey, bitch, you're not doing the right shit. And that was the first moment when everyone else's expectations fell away and I had a huge paradigm shift to start listening to myself and follow my path in life. Holy fuck. Six inches and a fucking car wreck. Like, okay, there's a lot to unpack here. First of all, your ancestors have in your back. I, wow. That's one of the most hugely impactful, tangible recollections of ancestor protection that I have ever read in my life. Second of all, six fucking inches. Holy shit. I'm naming this story that because holy shit. I mean... I got nothing. That I am so glad that you're still here. I know I've told you this. I'm, mm, that's a lot. And you have a golden horseshoe somewhere, probably unmentionable, honey, because to know in that moment that you could have died and like, basically, if it's the, like, to my mind, and this is my, my macabre sense of humor, so bear with me and also excuse me. I feel like while you were spinning, your ancestors were standing there to just like push your car a little bit so that it was that six inches not only did they appear so that you knew you were being protected but like also like one of them just like kicked it a little bit so that you slid like that's necessary six inches great great auntie has your fucking bag and she was like nope not today punt that's what happened in my head it doesn't have to be your head cannon, but it's mine so thank you holy crap for sharing this story And I look forward to the other banana stories you may have to share with the spooky people in the future, my darling. This was so awesome and also a lot. So thank you, Z. And yeah, that is our listener story for the day. So our witchy tip for the day comes from our surroundings and the world around us and the time of year that it is. It is August 21st. And it was an auspicious time, the time of the Leo, the time of the end of summer and the sun shining brightly. And honestly, we have just had a new moon occur. It passed on the 19th. So now is the time to start things, to put energy into the things that you want to achieve. It's the waxing moon leading up to the full moon, but also better late than never. Why not now? It doesn't have to be just for the month. It can be a short term goal for the month. It can be a long term goal for the coming year. Who knows? It's what you feel you need to do, what you feel that you want to achieve. And it's the time of the Leo, of the generous and loyal and spotlight loving lions who bring the sun with them wherever they go. If you feel like you've not been, you know, knocking off as many to-do list things or like you're looking for, for a purpose day-to-day or new endeavors, think about taking that energy, that Leo vibe with you into this week and into your endeavors. The lesson of the Leo never ceases to warm the cockles of my little black heart that you are worth it. And you deserve to reap the benefits of your hard work. And you are strong enough to stay the course. That ideal, those feelings, those thought processes, applying that to waxing moon, now that the new moon has passed, pick a thing. Even if it's just, oh, keeping my kitchen clean consistently until the next new moon. Try applying those vibes and that energy there and see what, uh, magnificence you can accomplish. You have to believe in yourself, but I've never met a Leo that doesn't believe in themselves. So if you're a Leo, happy belated birthday, happy birthday if it is today, or happy early birthday if it is before the Virgo switchover, which I think is technically today to tomorrow. So happy almost last day of Leoness, but it is not a bad idea to remember that we all have a little Leo inside of us. And while some Leos might argue no one is as great as another Leo, they also know that That strength within themselves, people can find in one another as well. Apply it. See what happens. Happy Waxing Moon. Happy last day of Lego. Happy almost Virgo season, as it were. And I hope that this advice may uh, do something for you or just maybe keep your kitchen clean. Who knows? We'll see. But that is our witchy tip for the day. And again, a huge thank you to Z for her incredible story about surviving a car accident via ancestors. If you have a story that you would like to submit, as always, please send it to thatspookylifepodcast at gmail.com or hit me up on Instagram at thatspookylifepodcast. You know, I can't wait to read your stories. And I always love hearing from you guys. But considering it is storming outside while I'm recording this, and I'm not sure if I'm going to lose power here shortly, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this episode up for the day. And until next week, don't forget to keep living that spooky life, guys. Bye.